Welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. I'm Laura Hutchinson, pastor of First Christian Church Disciples of Christ in Anniston, Alabama. Today, the title of the podcast is also the theme of the worship service. Today, we'll focus specifically on loving our neighbor. That's not such an easy thing to do in this completely disrupted world we live in, is it? But the fact is, it's never been easy to follow God's command to love all people the way we love ourselves. Loving all people is so incredibly hard because so many people seem completely unlovable, right? And yet Jesus said it is the second most important commandment there is, the first being to love God, of course. But Jesus never said it would be easy to be a Christian. In fact, as we've mentioned in past sermons, Jesus actually said it was going to be pretty difficult to follow him. That cross we're supposed to pick up and carry is heavy with the burden of loving people the way Jesus does. And yet, to love Christ is the most liberating thing we can do. To love like Christ is also the most liberating thing we can do for ourselves and for others. Now, before we begin to worship this God of infinite love, I would like to invite you to express your gratitude by giving of your tithes and offerings. The church is like a large speaker, amplifying the love of Christ's followers into the world. In order to keep those speakers up and running, it takes resources. No matter which church you call home, your church needs you to continue to give. If your church home is somewhere else, please continue to support it. And if First Christian Church is your church home, please continue to support us. Every dollar goes towards spreading the love of Christ to every person we come in contact with. You can either go to our webpage, www.fccanniston.org, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click the Donate Now button. Please choose PayPal as the only functioning donation option for the time being. Otherwise, you can donate by sending a check, you know, the old-fashioned way, to First Christian Church, 1327 Layton Avenue, L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N, Anniston, Alabama, 36207. Now, I invite you to gather your elements for communion, bread or crackers, juice or wine, and I invite you to light a candle. Let us all welcome in the light of Christ as we come to the Lord with adoration and love. Please pause this recording while you go and get what you need. All of our hymns can be found in your Friday Reminders email. If you don't currently get that email, contact us on our website to ask us to add you to our list. And now, let us sing our first two hymns, I Love to Tell the Story and Lord, I Want to Be a Christian. Let us sing together. Jesus and His love I love to 
story Because I know it is true It satisfies my longings As nothing else can do I love to tell the story Will be my theme and glory To tell the old, old story Of Jesus and his love Oh yes, I love to tell the story For those who know it best Seem hungering and thirsty
Today's scripture comes from the book of Romans, chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Rules and laws, laws and rules. There's a, at least one anarchist movement, if not many, many more, that want to live in a world without rules and laws. Why? Well, I don't really know for sure because I've never talked to anyone in those groups, but I can guess. I suspect that people don't like to be told what to do. I imagine there are people who think laws and rules are put in place to suppress them and maybe oppress them. And I have heard people say that the reason they don't want any part of Christianity is that it's, it's too restrictive and has too many rules or laws. In a way, I can understand sentiments like these. I personally feel rebellious against rules that don't make any sense. I like to color outside the lines, after all, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone or anything, you know. I have a creative mind and can feel resentful when it seems someone is trying to restrict me for no reason other than to control me. I mean, I have experienced that within Christianity. I've experienced Christians who seem to just want to throw rules around to keep people under control. So yeah, I get the basic temptation to entertain anarchist philosophy. However, once anarchy is put into practice, it loses its appeal for me. Suddenly, it's no longer about freedom, and it is all about having the right to do whatever you want, even if it means to hurt and oppress others without consequences. And my faith in God and the gospel message, they step in and say, yeah, not so much. Because God's rules are not about controlling us, but rather about guiding us to live in a way that allows all people the freedom to be who God created them to be, including ourselves. God rules, God's rules or commandments are designed to teach us what it looks like to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. The scripture says, owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, love your neighbor as yourself. Do you, oh, and then it goes on to say this, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Do you remember that Jesus said he had come to fulfill the law? 
Well, Jesus was a man born of a love so pure we humans can't fully comprehend it. He came to us as God, conceived by grace, and spent his life and his death and his resurrection showing the world what it looks like to love and what it feels like to be loved. If the commandments are rules for living, and if breaking the rules is sin, and if the rules for living are simply different examples of loving God and others, then sin is simply being unloving. And Jesus said that the greatest of all the commandments is to love God, and the second greatest is to love your neighbor as yourself. Which means all the rules God expects us to live by have to do with being loving. That's not oppressive. That's the opposite of oppression, right? So the age-old question in this conversation is always this, who is my neighbor? Jesus was asked this, pastors are asked this, and I'm sure God is asked this quite often. God, who is my neighbor? Is it the people who live right around me in my neighborhood? Is it all the people in my town? Is it the people who pledge allegiance to the same flag that I do? Is it people who look most like me? Is it people who believe most like me? Is it people who act most like me? Or is it all people in all towns in every country in the whole world? When a lawyer asked Jesus the question, Jesus told a story about a person who was seriously injured in a mugging. The people in the community you would most expect to rescue him found reasons to pass him by without helping. And the person who was least expected to help, the person who was considered untrustworthy and unclean in the Jewish community, was the one who not only stopped to help the man, but inconvenienced himself to the nth degree, and who sacrificed much to make sure the injured man was going to be okay. And Jesus asked, who in the story was the most neighborly? The answer? The one who showed mercy also known as the Samaritan. Now, the Samaritan lived outside the Jewish community and was considered unclean, and the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. When asked to explain who our neighbor is, Jesus picked the person who was most hated by the people listening to him in that moment. Our world, In our world today, there are many people who could fill the Samaritan's shoes, don't you think? Since it's an election year in the U.S., we can easily say that people in the political party you are not in are difficult to love right now, right? In fact, many of you can probably say you hate them. And what about the Black Lives Matter movement? Wherever you fall in that mess of an issue, you probably have a group you're angry with, a group you're having trouble loving right now. Is it the police? Is it the protesters? Is it the anarchists who are turning protests into chaos? Is it people of color? Is it white people? Is it politicians? Honestly, this is so multi-layered. There might be many people you're having trouble loving right now. And then there's the pandemic, which gives us so many people to be angry with. People who make it impossible to think of as your beloved neighbor. And in all these scenarios, which one would Jesus put in his parable to teach you who your neighbors are right now? 
The Apostle Paul says, love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And we can easily say, well, I haven't actually harmed anyone, so I'm good, right? I haven't been cruel, I haven't gossiped, I haven't hit anyone, I haven't stolen or coveted or murdered or had an affair or lied to anyone, so I'm living within the law. I'm not a sinner. But what if our inaction actually causes people harm as well? As we saw in the parable of the Good Samaritan, the two guys who walked by without helping may have done as much harm as the robber who initially beat the man up, right? They left him for dead after all. Right now, we, the U.S., we in the U.S., we have neighbors who are hurting, who are being hurt every day by laws and social norms that have been in place for at least 100 years, if not 200 we have people marching in the streets all over the United States and in some other countries as well who are crying out for changes so they can be free to live the same way others are allowed to do. And the biggest hindrance to their cause is not the police departments. It's not looters. It's not even politicians who uphold these archaic and unjust laws. Now, the greatest problem with the injustices in our country come from the apathy of the people. These are the people sitting in their homes watching the news. These are the people on Facebook reading news articles and sharing memes. These are the people who vote for politicians they know will maintain the status quo, keeping certain groups in power while keeping other groups down. These are the people who roll their eyes when they see a Black Lives Matter sign or who get angry when someone tries to talk about racism or sexism or any of the isms or these are the people who change the channel when the issue of the isms, of the racism, or the protests, or anything uncomfortable comes on the television. When we do nothing, when we refuse to even listen to the cries of pain from our fellow neighbors, we are living outside God's law. When we do nothing, we are sinning. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, Paul said. While sitting back and allowing a system to continue to hinder certain groups of people from being and doing what God calls them to be and do is causing harm to our neighbors. And refusing to acknowledge that system is unjust, to, refusing to acknowledge that the system is unjust causes even more harm. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Taking steps to right the wrongs of our world, though, don't need to start with a marathon. You don't have to start jumping hurdles or scaling Mount Everest. The fact is, the fact is love starts simply and humbly. I'm sure all of you have heard of a popular show called Mr. Rogers Neighborhood that aired on U.S. television from 1968 all the way to the year 2001. Fred Rogers, the creator and star of the show, he took a seemingly small but significant step towards being loving to his fellow neighbor. If you look at Mr. Rogers on biography.com, you will read that in the 20th century, many communities in the United States created pools for children and adults to swim and splash in. However, few of these spaces welcomed black people. Many white people balked at the thought of unsegregated pools because they harbored the racist belief that African Americans were more likely to transmit disease. And pool goers who were, 
were also separated by color due to bigoted fears about the need to protect the virtue of white women from predatory black men. Segregation was the law throughout the South. And though Northern locales often didn't have Jim Crow statutes on the books, discriminatory behavior took place there as well. Segregation at pools was sometimes enforced by intimidation and violence, such as beating any black swimmers who tried to go in the water. Now, Rogers knew that pools continued to refuse entry to black people in 1969 and that racial tensions were rising. After all, Martin Luther King Jr. had been assassinated just a year earlier. So he sent a deliberate message on the May 9, 1969 episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. During, during the show, Rogers asked Officer Clemens, a black police officer played by Francois Clemens, if he'd like a, to cool his feet with Rogers in a children's wading pool. Clemens initially declined the invitation, noting that he didn't have a towel, but Rogers said Clemens could share his. The actions in episode 1065 were not complex. Two men took off their shoes and socks, rolled up their pants, and then swished their feet together in a shallow pool on a hot day. But Rogers and Clemens demonstrated that a black man and a white one could peacefully share the water. When Clemens had to go, he used Rogers' towel to dry his feet as promised. Rogers left the pool directly after Clemens and proceeded to use the same towel. Their casual intimacy exposed the bigotry of denying black citizens access to pools or any other place in society. Fred Rogers was a Christian pastor who understood the commandment to love his neighbor as himself. He set a wonderful example, not just in this episode, but in all the episodes of his show, of how transformative simple acts of love could be for individuals and for the world. And it is just as simple for us to act out of love to help our neighbors have a better world to live in. So I want to encourage you to take a step in the direction of love today. Again, I don't want you to do something outrageous. You don't have to plan a protest march. You can simply take some time to listen and try to understand why other people are protesting. You don't have to run for office, but instead take special note of the folks who are running and vote for the ones who seem interested in changing things for the benefit of all people, not just the upper classes. And I want to encourage you, don't take it for granted that just because they're in one particular party or another, they'll automatically act the way you hope they would. You need to look at the person you're voting for. If you see a homeless person begging on the street, maybe give them a dollar, but also stop and ask them what their name is, then introduce yourself. If you're sitting on a bench and a person of a different race or ethnicity or group from you is standing near, invite them to sit next to you. If you enter a cafeteria and see a person sitting alone, ask if you can join them. If you see someone in a Black Lives Matter t-shirt, stop them and ask them how you can help make a difference in the movement. If you hear someone speaking a language you don't understand, smile at them and nod hello. Let them know that you see them and you care. The fact is it will take grander gestures than these to ultimately change our world 
and to transform it into something resembling the kingdom of God. But grand gestures begin with these small ones. We cannot walk, be run before we walk, and we can't transform the world with love until we first see it for what it is. And to love someone, you have to see them and acknowledge them first. Again, the apostle said, Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments are summoned up in this word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So let us all go into the world today and find way to love others. Be kind to everyone. Be loving to everyone and fulfill the law of God. Amen. Now the words to the following song are in your Friday rem reminders. And so let us join together to sing the song so lovingly given to us by Fred Rogers himself. Won't you be my neighbor? It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Won't you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Would you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Would you be mine? Would you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Howdy, neighbor. When God asks us to love all people, he knows what a burden he's putting on us. This is because in Christ Jesus, God know, showed his love for us in the most incredible way. He showed us that love is an action, something we do because we love someone, not necessarily because we like them or like what they're doing. I know that Jesus did not like the way the religious leaders of his own community lied and manipulated the situation in order to justify having him killed. He did not like what they did or why they did it, but he loved them. I can't imagine he liked Pilate for being so weak that he couldn't bring himself to stand up for what he knew was right, for fear of upsetting the crowd and his superiors. But I know that he loved him. I feel certain Jesus did not like the way the soldiers treated him when they mocked him and spit on him and beat him within an inch of his life, but he loved them. I'm sure that Jesus did not like the soldiers who drove the nails into his hands and put him up on that cross 
or the soldiers who cast lots for his clothing while he hung there in agony and died. But he loved them. And I know he did not like the fact that his closest friends and loved ones, other than his mother, could not stick with him in his hour of need. He didn't like that they did that, but he loved them with everything that he was. I know that Jesus loved the Pharisees, the Sadducees, Pilate, the soldiers, the crowds, and his faithless friends. I know he loved them because he died for them. And he asks us to love them too. No matter who is in our life who is difficult to love, Jesus says, love them anyway. No matter who in the world is so unlikable that you couldn't stand to be in their presence for even a moment, Jesus says, if you love me, you have to love them too. And even when we are at our worst, as unlovable as we have ever been, Jesus says to us, I love you with all my heart. In this meal, we remember that love made real for us. And at this table, we celebrate the miracle of God's love. Let us ask God for forgiveness of our sins and thank God for loving us more than we can ever imagine. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it and said, this is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, blessed it, and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, thank you for your love. In this meal, give us the strength to love you and others just as much. Amen. I invite you now to come and eat. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. Now let us sing together in celebration of all that Christ has done for us. Let us sing the communion hymn in this very room.
which you can find printed in the About This Episode segment of the podcast. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born. Christ Christ died. Christ was raised. Christ Christ will come come again. This is the mystery of our faith. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. I would like you to listen to this poem called Unbidden Came God's Love by Thomas Trozier. Unbidden came God's love, not rushing from the skies as angel, flame, or dove, but shining in your eyes. At first I did not see that God was there in you. Your love was all to me, was all I sought and knew. But then, as if the sun took years and years to dawn, events led one by one to deeper meanings drawn. Each time you took my hand, each time you helped me face what I could barely stand, God reached to me with grace. Through these plain common things, rich mysteries I heard, the fluttering of wings, and God's incarnate word. Go and be God's love in this world. And as we go, Let us sing together our hymn of sending forth, Bind Us Together.
Oh, dear.